1: death. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's, that's a pretty strong opening, I think. You know, it seems so permanent, so unknown, so mysterious. If only we were able to ask some people who'd gone over to the other side what it was like. Well, frankly, with Star Trek, we can. With that in mind, I am Sean Ferrick for Trek Culture, and here are 15 Star Trek deaths that didn't last. Number 15. James T. Kirk Star Trek Into Darkness. I have feelings about Star Trek Into Darkness, and this is one of the things that I have feelings about. Superblood. The entire emotional climax of Star Trek Into Darkness has Spock and Kirk reversing the roles that they played in Wrath of Khan. Kirk saves the ship from being destroyed by going into the warp core and, you know, kicking it until it's better. He is then killed from the radiation, Spock has a scream, it's all fun silly times. Meanwhile, Dr McCoy is playing with some tribbles and Khan's blood and discovers that Khan can basically cure death. He injects James T Kirk, he wakes up in a hospital bed and it's alright, he was only barely dead. 14. Seska Worst case scenario. Now this is not technically coming back from the dead, it is just a reappearance of the character in the same season that she was killed. Basics part two sees the Kazon being run off Voyager after having taken over the ship at the end of Basics part one. And Seska is unfortunately, and I will come back to that in a moment, killed due to the overload of the phaser grid that was created by Lon Suter. Seska's death was not satisfying. Now understandably as Voyager continued to move further and further into the Delta Quadrant they were going to get away from Kazon Space. You wouldn't have been able to keep going with this particular storyline so unfortunately Martha Hackett had to leave the show until worst case scenario. Now it seemed that Seska was a busy bee while she was on Voyager and she inserted herself into one of Tuvok's security training programs. This new Seska was Bajoran looking again and took over the program to the point where she was gonna kill Vok and Tom Paris. It was great to see Martha Hackett again, even if this was a little bit of a cheat. Tom Paris, Threshold. What everyone remembers about Threshold is, goes faster than warp 10, what warp barrier? Ah, it's fine, lizard babies. Those are the three things that generally crop up. But actually, there is a fun moment when Tom dies. Yeah, it's, it's game over. Flatline done. Everything. Everyone's really sad. That's the end of Thomas Eugene Paris. Until he isn't dead. This de-evolution that he is going through to become Lizard Daddy is transforming his body in such a way that his organs begin to act in different manners. One of which effectively kills him before bringing him back in another form. So, yeah, Tom died. Twelve. Jean-Luc Picard, Star Trek Picard. Going into Star Trek Picard we knew of course that Jean-Luc was in his 90s at this point and very early on the Eremotic Syndrome that was introduced in All Good Things reared its ugly head again. Basically he came with an expiration date. Now this wasn't great news for the people who were loving the new show because they knew that, you know, maybe don't get too invested in this character again because you're just gonna have to watch him die, and they did. In the finale, Picard croaks. I mean, he's done, his body just gives out. Introduced idea of this golem that Alton Inigo soon had been creating, thankfully, allows Picard to live on. Now, it's not massively satisfying. You know, we do get a view of, say, the afterlife, if you will, where he speaks to Data, and they come to a mutual understanding of life, death, and everything in between. It's actually a beautiful scene. And he then wakes up again in the Gollum. He is alive again, per se. They make sure he would have lived the lifespan that he would have lived anyway, which they conveniently don't put a number on. We know that Admiral McCoy lived to 140-ish years. So that means there's nothing stopping Picard from living that long as well. 11, Montgomery Scott, The changeling the changeling or as i like to call it v'ger mark one is a really interesting episode from the original series that sees the probe nomad discovered by the enterprise now nomad was sent out from earth but it merged with the probe tanru that then became this this new being that was seeking its creator jackson roykirk it comes on board the enterprise and effectively tests the crew one of the tests it does Is by killing Scotty and then bringing him back again. This is never discussed in the series, the implications of, you know, returning from the dead. Although, funnily enough, for this crew in particular, there is someone he would have been able to speak about his experiences with. But he did die for a while. 10. Worf, Hide and Q, and Ethics. In Hide and Q, Q, puts the bridge crew of the Enterprise D through war games for his own amusement, and also to test Riker, who he'd given Q continuum powers to. Now, as part of this, Worf is stabbed with a bayonet by the creatures that Q has created. It does, it kills him and puts him down. Now, like a good Klingon, he pops right back up again. Now, later on in Star Trek The Next Generation, Worf's spine is crushed by falling luggage for want of a better word really falling cargo containers he wants to die he doesn't want to live as a paraplegic which is effectively what's facing him now thankfully an experimental surgery is used to fix his spine but yeah he he flatlines for a bit a lot of people die in this show nine and potentially the one you were expecting the most Spock, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. This is the other crew member that I spoke about when we were talking about Scotty's death and rebirth. Spock is the ultimate death and rebirth in Star Trek. He goes out like a hero saving the crew of the Enterprise by repairing the warp drive so that they can nope out of there before the Genesis torpedo explodes. This unfortunately kills his body but thankfully his mind is transferred to McCoy. Catra is pushed over. Now the entire search for Spock is about putting these two things back together again which is actually a really good film. It's really enjoyable. This would be the go-to story really if people were talking about death and rebirth in Star Trek. Now there's a gag in Star Trek for the voyage home in which McCoy asks Spock what it was like. Spock answers without a comparative frame of reference it would be impossible to discuss this. To which McCoy goes You're saying I have to die to discuss death, and Spock changes the subject, but one wonders, did he ever speak to Scotty? 8. Trip Tucker, these are the voyages. I hate this! I'm sorry, I'm sorry. These are the voyages, yes, decisions were made, they were not great. But also, the pacing of the episode is very strange, because they have this big shock death of Trip, who then appears moments later, as a hologram, of course. Well, they're all holograms in this episode. It was supposed to be a poignant ending to the character, but honestly, it just sort of looked like they put the scenes in out of order. To be fair, in a way, because I have so much hate for just the idea of them killing off Trip for cause, I don't really think there was a way of portraying this well for me. God, I hate this episode. Seven, Tasha Yar yesterday's Enterprise. Tasha was both memorably and ignobly killed in Skin of Evil in season one. Armas extends an arm and she's just effectively wiped out of, not existence, but her spirit is just pushed out of her body. It's a downbeat, disappointing ending for the character. Now, while Tasha didn't get an awful lot to do in season one, arguably, did anyone... You know, had she been able to stay on with the show, I'm sure we would talk about her in the same breath that we talk about Riker and Worf today. Thankfully, in season three, the episode of Yesterday's Enterprise brought the crew of the Enterprise C forward in time, which creates a time paradox, which means the Klingons are no longer allies, which puts Tasha back on the bridge of the Enterprise D. It is the send-off that she deserved. Denise Crosby is never better Tasha are, She is a character we actually root for and then this knowledge that she's not making it out of this episode alive, there's more of a reason to care than perhaps we did back in season one. Now it is a fantastic way of offering the character a proper send-off, something that Picard managed to do for Data as well. 6. Kirk A muck time, the Enterprise Incident, and Star Trek Generations. In a muck time, Spock thinks he's killed his best friend. He's going to turn himself into the authorities. He is absolutely out of Starfleet, that's the end of it. All because he couldn't control his raging hormones. Fair enough, it's worse when you're a Vulcan. On the same breath, when Kirk turns around and says, actually I'm good mate, Spock has a genuine heartfelt smile and a laugh. It is one of the best moments of the original series, and one of the best Spock moments of them all. Later on then, in the third season, Spock and Kirk are again involved in a death. Spock performs the Vulcan death grip on Kirk on the Romulan ship to, you know, kill him, so that the Romulans leave him be it's a fake-out. But of course, the infamous one is of course Star Trek Generations. On the Enterprise B, Kirk is swept into the Nexus when an energy tendril captures the edge of the Enterprise B's engineering hull, Deck 15, Section 21 Alpha. They don't know that he's just been pulled into this Nexus in time. He is chopping wood at his cabin as Captain Picard walks up to him. It is... Probably the best scene of the film, just the two captains getting to know each other. Generations gets a lot of hate but that scene is fairly perfect. Now unfortunately, just a few minutes later, he goes up against Saren and actually dies this time. As it stands, that's the end of Kirk, right? And from what Shatner is saying on social media, it probably is going to be the last time that Kirk appears live-action anyway. 5. The Borg Queen Star Trek First Contact easily one of the best villains Star Trek has offered. The Borg Queen is both seductive and terrifying. There's something deeply uncomfortable about how she made a lot of people feel in 1996 and I realize I'm I'm moving into dangerous waters there so I'm gonna move swiftly on. She dies and the Borg Queen is back in Star Trek Voyager then the episode Dark Frontier. Now, now she's played by Susanna Thompson. Basically, they don't talk about it. Her body's in death, sure, but what does that actually mean? The queen herself was present on the cube that assimilated Locutus. That exploded. Should she not be dead? And yet here she was as part of the invasion of Earth. Here she is again when they tried to steal a warp coil with the help of Seven, again when the crew of Voyager encounter Unimatrix Zero, again played by Susanna Thompson, and then again with Admiral Janeway helping to change the events of the past. The Borg Queen was simply too good of a character to retire straight away. And I like this little loophole they found. Four, Weyoun, pick one. Jeffrey Combs, it's, it's Jeffrey Combs. Like he should be in every Star Trek. I still say he should be in Star Trek Strange New Worlds. When that shows out, come back to this video and tell me now if he's in Star Trek Strange New Worlds because I will not be happy until I see him on screen again. Now he was first introduced into the death in the fourth season of Deep Space Nine, when his Jem'Hadar first shoots him. Okay, you would think that'd be the end of it. No. Ties of blood and water, Wayun is back, and they explain that all of the Vorta are clones, which helps in negotiations, because you just kill the negotiator, you send another one in. Now, clearly, this was just a ruse to get Jeffrey Combs back to be Wayun again, and I am so on board. It also let them play with it a little bit, Again, he dies several more times. Then of course he dies finally in the final episode What You Leave Behind. It's a bit of a cold moment when he taunts Garrick by saying what's left of Cardassia. Garrick raises the phaser, shoots him point blank cold blood. And the female changeling says, I wish you hadn't done that. That was Yun's last clone. And Garrick goes I was hoping you'd say that. Three. Kai Opaka All the way back in the first season of Deep Space Nine we are introduced to the first current Kai of Bajor, Opaka. She is the one who lets Sisko know that he's the emissary and she is very much on board with the idea of Bajor becoming one with the Federation. She joins a mission into the Gamma Quadrant because she believes that's what the Prophets are telling her to do. Unfortunately the runabout that she's on, the Yangtze Kiang, is brought down and she is killed in the crash. Major Kira is absolutely distraught. Her pontiff, her head religious figure, has suddenly died. Only she's back again a few minutes later. It turns out that there's a technology in the air which prevents the inhabitants, the Null and the Ennis, from staying dead in this constant war game that they have going on. Anyone who dies on the planet becomes a part of this process, including Kaiopaka. She is very much brought back to life again, but if she is to leave the planet, she will die. So, she's forced to remain. Again, this this breaks Nerissa's heart, because what can you do? Remove her, she dies. Leave her there, you'll never see her again. However, it does speak to the religious leader that she takes this as an assignment from the prophets. This is what she's meant to do, she's going to stay an attempt to preach peace to these people. Battle Lines is a surprisingly good episode for an early DS9 series. Two, Miles O'Brien, visionary. There is no alternate timeline going on here, at least not in the traditional sense. It's not a mirror universe, it's nothing like that. O'Brien is able to glimpse his own future, and in that future, he sees the destruction of Deep Space Nine. This traveling through time floods his body with a dangerous radiation that, as it builds, is killing him. He is able to convince the crew that what's happening to him is real. In a way, a little bit like all good things. But the device that allows him to control the jumps floods him with this radiation. It's a bit like, you're gonna jump anyway, but let's attempt to give you control over where you land. In one of his futures, he sees himself being shot. There's a phaser. Installed in a section that he's working in and he's killed now because he sees this he manages to avoid this But the radiation that saves his life technically also kills him But he's able to give the device to an earlier version of himself which then saves that O'Brien's life So O'Brien never actually died the station wasn't destroyed and I think we're cool he did die so that he wouldn't die number one harry kim deadlock the harry kim that met quark on deep space nine that we followed through the first season and most of the second season of voyager is dead the ship is caught and then rocked with these destructive forces that effectively start to tear the ship apart and he is unlucky enough to be in a Jeffries tube just as the bulkhead in front of him is ripped away and Bellana Torres gets to watch Harry get sucked out into space. The official Harry Kim is dead. Luckily for us, for our fans of Garret Wang, another Harry Kim from a duplicate Voyager that was attempting to exist in the same pocket of space which was causing these disruptions, their Harry Kim was just fine. And he is able to travel from one Voyager to another when the other Voyager is overrun by the Vidians. Basically Janeway gives him an out because the two ships can't separate and they are stuck where they are. Once the Vidians board the, for want of a better word, Voyager Beta, it's kind of game over for them. They can't run and they can't overpower the aliens with force of arms. Harry thankfully is given reprieve to go to the other ship as the self-destruct is activated. Now just before he goes Naomi Wildman had also died in Voyager Prime, but not on Voyager Beta. Harry is able to take her, walk over to the other Voyager. Yeah, That's, that's, that's Harry and Naomi's story. They're, they're both from that universe and they're not. And, you know, his Janeway isn't his Janeway and all of his friends are dead, but they're, they're not.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,